Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, where we aim to share knowledge and learning and spark curiosity in improving the health and care experienced by the people of Leeds. This is within the context of local care partnerships, which is the term used in Leeds to describe our model of joined up working to deliver local care for local people. Local care partnerships recognise that decisions made locally about people should involve the local community. Local care partnerships cover the whole of Leeds, one for every person, and build on the strengths and extensive history of collaboration in the city to realise some of the most exciting, person-centred transformations in health and care. Each local care partnership includes statutory organisations such as Leeds Community Health Care Trust, General Practice and the Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust. They also include representation from the third sector and community groups, elected members, alongside local people and tailored to the local need and the features of that particular community. But why should we do this? Well, it's the right thing to do. George Winder, a GP at Oakwood Lane Surgery, wants to make the easiest thing the right thing to do. This isn't always about creating new services. This is very much about identifying and working with the community assets that we find across the city, recognising that the population of each local care partnership is different and requires different ways to tackle health inequalities and the impact of the wider social determinants on the people in that place. This podcast will aim to hear from a diverse range of voices from across the city and we will explore why our guests are working in and with their communities. My name is Graham Hyde and I am the host of this podcast. Welcome and for this episode of our Making Stuff Better podcast we're joined by two people from Feel Good Factor which is a registered charity based in Chapel Town in Leeds and has been since 2003. Uh, it's an organisation that supports people to improve their health and well-being, um, working with communities all across Leeds, providing activities, projects and services to improve access to health opportunities for some of our most vulnerable and disadvantaged communities. So welcome to Angela Goodyear, who is the Operations Manager at Feel Good Factor, and Priti Tiagi, who is a Family Health Coordinator at Feel Good Factor. So welcome, good morning to both of you. Morning, Graham. Hello. Morning, Graham. Hi. Um, so first of all, um, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about your organisation and your roles within it and what working in Leeds means to you. Yeah, as you said, Graeme, we've been around since 2003, so quite a well-established charity in the area. Um, we do a, provide a number of different services as, across the sort of city as well, um, as well as the sort of health and wellbeing services. Um, we've got a number of partnerships. We work with a lot of different agencies to ensure that we can provide really the widest range of services and activities that the best matches the needs of our the communities that we work with. I mean, we don't sort of enforce anything on people. It's all about empowering people and giving them the choice. So, you know, we ask what people want to do, what activities they want to see. There's no point in us saying we're going to do this, this and this if that's not what people want. So, you know, we do make sure that what we are providing 
really sort of reflects what those community wants. And as you say, you know, there's health and well-being, there's access to sort of educational opportunities. We have volunteering opportunities. There's a wide range of things that people can get involved in over a feel good factor. And all of our activities are funded through a sort of mixture of commissioned or grant funded projects as well. So, you know, we've got our base in Chapel Town. That's also a community facility that people can access. And we deliver a range of services across the community. Excellent. And so just tell me a bit more about how do you so you you, you say that you ask people what they would like. So can you tell me a bit more about how you how do you find that the voice of the community and, and what they what they need or want? Um, well, we all of our work is a community development worker. So there are the people that are out and they're working in the communities all the time. So, you know, when people do access our activities, we spend time just getting feedback from them saying, you know, what do you enjoy doing? What sort of activities would people want to get involved in? But then also, you know, we do a lot of outreach. So when we're out talking to people, we can get a lot of feedback that way as well. So we are very sort of strong on our co-production side of things. Fabulous. And Pretty, what what do, what does it mean to you to work for for Feel Good Factor? And and just tell us a bit more about your role within within the organisation. I'm probably one of the newest members at Feel Good Factor. I've been part of Feel Good Factor since October last year for about last seven months, and I'm working on a project as a family health coordinator. And this project mainly came about as a direct result of COVID. Yeah. So my project is supporting families and families and individuals who are shielding or who were shielding during lockdown. And this support involves anything from if they are having difficulties financially or if they are having problems with housing or they're struggling with employment or they're feeling lonely and isolated or or have no one to speak to on a day-to-day -day basis uh, because last year has been really, really tough for all of us, including people, especially those who were shielding, who haven't been able to see family members. So my role is to support these families and those individuals who probably need the most support at times like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll talk about that. So how did that... Um... How did that project come about? Um, well, we were invited, um, our chief exec was invited to sort of join onto the local care partnership meetings through Pip Goff at Forum Central, just for that sort of third sector connection. Um, and then we were approached then to get involved in the funding bid for Preeti's work as the third sector partner. And it, it's our it's our first um project actually with local care partnerships so it's been a sort of big learning curve I think on both sides for us getting involved in the yeah. sort of primary care side of things but also for the local care partnerships working with their sector as well so I think for both of us it's been a really sort of good um, piece of you know joint work to be able to do together and yet it's had its teeth in problems as all things do but I think as time's gone on and you know we've been able to work together and form some really good relationships Certainly. And so, so I suppose before you were invited to the local care partnership, did you, 
did you not know what it was? And I suppose I suppose now you do know what it is. What what's the benefits of of working together for a population of people? I mean, to me, it sounds like the right thing to do. What what's your experience from from your organisation's perspective? I think, Preeti, if you're if I happy for me to just talk operationally then to start, because obviously Preeti can talk more about on the ground connections. Um, but I think operationally, um, it's given us, you know, th there's no point in doing things if that's not what's needed in the, the area. So working on this sort of model, we know exactly who the people are that we need to help, what the issues are within the community. And we're really able to target our work and put resources in to be able to do that. And I think, you know, that's great rather than sometimes that scattergun approach of trying to do so many things. Because we've got this targeted piece of work, it really allows us to drill down into communities and provide that support. Brilliant, brilliant. I think for me, uh, work on the ground, when I, a lot of the patients that I'm working with, with, they have come through GP practices. And when I speak to them, uh, offering them support other than medical support that they are getting from their GPs, often they are quite surprised that it is quite possible and i think that is probably one benefit i see straight away that in addition to the help that especially those who are shielding medical help that they are getting it's from organization like ourselves that they are getting other additional helps in terms of becoming more active in their communities getting as i mentioned before help around housing and finance and or the thing that they might be struggling with it's that connection that we are able to sort of provide in addition to the support that they already have from gps and almost like a tailor-made targeted mm -hmm. support that we can offer them yeah. from our side and what sort of so what have you noticed um since covid in the communities that you're working with what's the yeah what, what have you noticed I mean, I personally have noticed that when I speak to some of my client service users, some of the problems that they have, they already had them before COVID started. Right. But this project uh, has almost given them the opportunity to actually talk about those issues. Uh, if this project hadn't existed, they probably wouldn't have had an organization like Feel Good Factor wouldn't have found out about all these gaps that exist for some of the communities that we are working with. So I guess it's definitely given us an opportunity to f work with these families who were already struggling and all these gaps that they had, health inequality gaps, were getting actually wider during this lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so you've just mentioned health inequalities, um, or I suppose health equity. Um, I just wondered if if both of you could just sort of explain a little bit more about what what do you understand by health inequalities and how does that what does that look like in your communities? <laughs> well, it, it looks sometimes it looks about fifteen years of difference in our communities to yeah. start with. You know, I think obviously we all know that where you're born, where you live, where you grow up. Um, what you do all, you know, counts towards those health inequalities. And I think the area that we work with and the people that we're working with, um, obviously, 
you know, you, you only need to look at the data and the massive differences between somebody who lives in those inner city areas compared to somebody who lives on the outskirts. Yeah. So I think for us, it's really important as an organisation that we try and narrow those gaps down as well. And that's really what all of our work is focused on. You know, we want to be able to support people with their sort of social and community networks and all those wider determinants of health, you know, the, the nutrition, the employment, the housing, etc. You know, we want to be able to empower people to, you know, to be able to, to live better lives. Sure. I mean, to add to what Angela was saying, um, it's it starts before you are even born. And one of my first projects that I started with in third sector was to create awareness around infant mortality mm. and the number of infant mortalities even today. I mean, this project was 10 years ago and I had a quick check recently to see if things have moved on. but there isn't much difference from 10 years to now. Right. The chances of, you know, uh, someone, uh, infant mortality is almost twice as high as in deprived area as compared to areas which might just be half a mile down the road from that particular area. So, yeah. so those health inequalities that we learn more and more as we are working year after year in this sector. Mm -hmm. So if we can help to sort of reduce some of that gap, that's, a, that's going to be a job well done. I, I agree 100 percent. And do you do you think that there's enough of a focus on on health inequalities or because sometimes what I'm seeing is is services will be looking to improve the service that they give to a particular or no, just a, a particular population. And then someone will say, oh, yeah, and we'll we'll look at addressing health inequalities um, as a bit of an add-on. Do you, how do we make that addressing or tackling health inequalities really sharp focus mainstream? What, what's, how could we do that? Because it doesn't feel like, like it is. And as, as you've said, actually things are getting worse. How do we stop that? That's the million dollar question, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's my big question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one because, as you say, you know, there, there is a lot of work gone into it. And I think, you know, Leeds is quite a shining example of the work and that they want to do to try and narrow those. Um, but, yeah, I've been around sort of six years in, in Feel Good Factor and, I'm not seeing a lot of difference yet. I know we're all doing a lot of work, but you know, when you look at the stats, those figures aren't coming down. Um, so yeah, I do think that is the million dollar question. When is that gonna happen? But I do think that some of this work that we're doing, especially the sort of population health management work, because it is focused on areas and the problems within that area, that is gonna help towards some of that work without a doubt. You know, if we are targeting on some of the, you know, prolific issues in areas, um, that's only got to be a good thing. Yeah, uh, yes. And how do you see, so I think what I'm hearing is you, you're, um, you're reaching out to people who, who have been shielding or, or uh, impacted by COVID. How do you feel that that's an approach? Because a lot of, a lot of the time we, we're very reactive to, you know, when people are poorly, we then fix them essentially 
that that difference in in sort of reaching out and being proactive in supporting people how i mean do do you is that a good thing or you know how can we if it is a good thing how can we make that the thing that we're doing as well as as a sort of business as usual well i i guess again uh dealing with it before it happens is probably a you know prevention is better than cure uh, as the famous sort of saying goes uh i in an ideal world that would be perfect isn't it if we can start to intervene before things go out of hand and i mean i can see definitely benefit of preventing things before they get out of hand i mean and not just me i think from all the reserves that we see around us uh, i think as a charity as well we're not a sort of we'll do it to you or we'll do it for you we want to empower people to be able to do it themselves sure um, and I think, you know, that goes back to what Preeti said. It's about, you know, what's the phrase upstream and downstream. So if we can do some of that work and be empowering people now, that hopefully then doesn't create some of the problems later on down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as Angela said, it's empowering people. It's providing information and the recognition that, say, in some areas, uh, if language is an issue, maybe providing that information in different languages, especially with our work around uh, vaccination awareness program, we have made sure that all the information is provided to all the communities and anyone doesn't miss out just because they don't speak good English or uh, things like that. Just little things sometimes can make a huge difference. Yeah, and I, I think we've been taking the vaccine to the communities in Leeds, haven't we? So, and and I think that's making a massive difference. So, um, I suppose word of mouth as well in communities. If if some people go and have the vaccine and then go back to their house, and you know the word of mouth spreads. You know the 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 vaccine bus is round the corner. Um, go and get your vaccine. So mm. I think that's that's again that's that taking taking the services or the support to the communities. So they yeah. don't. So removing those barriers, um, it, it means a lot more if someone from the community goes back and says those messages than us just standing there as well saying this is good, that's good. You shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. We always try and make sure that we're involved in the community and things like that, and that the messages come through them. Yeah, fab. And I wondered, what do people who you're working with, let's say specifically on this um, COVID shielding project, what do they say? And ho hopefully it's positive. <laughs> um, you know what's what's their what's their sort of sound bites um, that that they're reporting back to you when when you're when you're having conversations with them. Uh, I guess as a project coordinator, when I get a referral, I'm the first person who makes that first call and speak to the individual. And often I think they are a bit surprised that mm. oh okay, is this help available to me and am am I entitled to it? I think after initial reaction of sort of, you know, getting established the trust with me, they are really, really surprised. And those who I have worked with, uh, they've had some really positive outcomes in terms of their interaction with us and how we have signposted them to different services. And those are the things which what they tell me is that they weren't even aware of. Uh, right. and it's again creating those awareness uh, at community level, which 
I guess organizations like Feel Good Factor and our Orion partners are doing day after day. Uh, it's well and good to have all the information and all the facilities, but if recipients are not aware of it, uh, there isn't any point in having those. So that's where I guess, especially with local care partnerships, organizations like ourselves, third sector and local sort of city council and all, we can work for the for the betterment of people and become that link between services and individuals. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you've just summed it up really nicely there. Thank you. Um, so that possibly could lead on to um, your big question to our listenership. So every single episode, I'm asking people to to ask what what would be your challenge to the system or or to the people of Leeds? And I suppose it could be wider. So from a from a feel good factor perspective, what what's your big question that we can leave our listeners with? I think we've probably already touched on it a little bit earlier while we've been talking. But yeah, Preeti and I had a chat about this yesterday, and I think for us and our organisation, um, it is a big question. But when will the gap in health outcomes reduce? That's a really good one. Yeah, and something that I think about a lot. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for now. Um, that's been a fascinating conversation. So thank you very much to you both for your for your time. Um, and, and thank you. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You have already found it, but please do like, subscribe and share. The podcast is available on a range of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. You might like to take a look at some of the stuff that local care partnerships are already involved with on the webpage www.inspiringchangeleads.org forward slash local hyphen care hyphen partnerships. Thank you.